Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to talk a little bit about the background of General President George Washington. And it seems that in the past few months, and particularly over the past year, we there's a lot of people who had serious questions about some of our founders and what they were, who they were, their backgrounds, and what we know about them. Is it actually the truth of history? And so as we look more in depth at our founders, and particularly the ones who signed either the Declaration and or the Constitution, we have to look at these people and never forget that they were all human. And each one of these people, men and women, throughout the revolutionary colonial time period, the great things that so many of them did, they were still human. They weren't statues. They weren't marble. They weren't perfect. They had their faults. They had their flaws. They had their disagreements, just like we do today in modern America. So to denigrate particularly the people of the colonial time period or anyone in American history, simply from the aspect of human nature, is a misunderstanding of human nature, but it's also a misunderstanding of that particular person or that particular event. And we need to see these people we need to see the people that we know in our history and not put them on a shelf and not put them in a cloud that they were beyond fault, but to see what they did to help influence our nation in their humanity. And so today, I would like to talk a little bit about some of the background of George Washington that probably a lot of us don't know. A lot of us know things about Washington as a general and then as president. But how much do we know about George Washington before his military career and obviously then before he was president? So we look back on some of the aspects of George Washington's life and again to view him in his humanity. And I believe viewing George Washington or anyone in their humanity and seeing what they were able to do and the great influence that they had, I believe even elevates these people to the greatness that we put on them simply because in their humanity, what they were able to do to help our founding country through the revolution, the colonial time period, help us establish this young nation to where we see it today as the superpower of the world. And I love what Joseph Ellis wrote several years ago when he was writing about George Washington. And I'm quoting Joseph Ellis. Once upon a time, there were giants in America and chief among them was George Washington. And I believe historically that George Washington is the giant of American history because Washington, what he did in the revolution and then in his presidency and the precedent he set in his character through the revolution and through his presidency, it, it created that idea of what our leader and what a leader should be. 
Unfortunately, there are a lot of false images of George Washington because romantically, particularly a man named Parson Weems wrote a book to make money on George Washington. And some of the things that he perpetrated about Washington, we, we simply know that were not true. He didn't throw a silver dollar across the Potomac River. He did not have wooden teeth. He did not take his false teeth from slaves. He did not chop down a cherry tree when he was young. And so some people, particularly Parson Weems, they elevated Washington to a mythical character. But we need, again, we need to look at these people in their humanity. So I agree with Joseph Ellis that there were giants in America. And the tallest giant was, is, and in my opinion, always will be George Washington because of what he did. Washington lived 11 years longer than Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was a major figure in America for about seven years. George Washington was a major figure in American history for 24 years, from being commander-in-chief of the Continental Army all the way through his death. No one has had more influence on our nation than George Washington. The bricks that are being thrown, particularly at our founding fathers, are simply trying to discard our heritage, our background, and this incredible story that we call the American experience. We can't look at our founding fathers or anyone in our history as being spotless. We must look at them as people in time and seeing and understand them as people in time. And I believe when we do that and we see what they were able to do, that will truly inspire us to admire what they did, appreciate what they did, and continue to want to pass on to the next generation of Americans what they did for us and what we can do for the next generation. So George Washington, George Washington, as he spent his childhood in, in rural Virginia, his father passed away when he was 11. His half-brother Lawrence really became his father figure. George Washington was 14 years younger than Lawrence, yet George respected Lawrence, loved Lawrence, looked up to Lawrence, and Lawrence, his half-brother, really took him under his wing and began to help grow him into maturity as a young man and then into adulthood. Unfortunately, Lawrence died. He got tuberculosis and unfortunately passed away when he and George went to Barbados and Lawrence got tuberculosis and passed away. Most people don't know that George Washington got smallpox as a young teenager and fortunately, we know that he survived smallpox, and this is why he was immune to smallpox during the Revolution. George Washington wanted to be a surveyor. He wanted to be in the military. He wanted to be a military officer, a British military officer. And Mary Washington, his mother, kept advising him, George you will never be English in the sight of the crown, which meant, George, you will never be 
an officer in the English military because you are a colonist. Even though you are British, you had to be born in England to be a military officer in the English army. So Washington aspired to be a military officer in the British military and wanted a military career. And it was his mother who continued to give him the advice, George, you have to understand that you will never be an English officer in the, in the eyes of the crown. So George began and he studied surveying and he became a surveyor. And when he became a surveyor, he began to survey a lot of the land. And now he's in his late teens. He began to survey a lot of the land out in the western part of Virginia up into the Ohio River Valley. And so that's where, when we finally get to the French and Indian War, that's why Washington had some knowledge of the Western interior. So as we go through the French and Indian War, and we see Washington's influence in the French and Indian War, and we see the mistakes that Washington made as a young person in the French and Indian War and at Fort Necessity, we see these the mistakes that Washington made. But what we appreciate is Washington's ability to learn from his mistakes, of which oftentimes he did that. And we can see that throughout his military career in the French and Indian War and the influence he had there, and then later on as the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. George Washington, as a businessman, he was a phenomenal businessman. And that is one of the aspects of Washington's life that is mostly overlooked because of his military career and the political career as president. But Washington was a phenomenal, phenomenal businessman. In January of 1759, he married Martha Dandridge Custis. Martha. Martha, who had been widowed from her first husband. George Washington fell in love with Martha. Martha fell in love with George Washington. Martha was eight months older than George Washington. And the reality was that Washington actually married up. Martha was in a, a, in a class and societal class and, a, and an economic class much higher than George Washington. So when George Washington married Martha, he actually married up and received one third of the Custis estate. And he controlled by Virginia law two thirds of of all the inheritance of Martha's remaining two alive children, which was Jackie and Patsy. Martha had four children in her first marriage, and two of the children died in infancy. Well, when George married Martha, he adopted Patsy, and he adopted Jack, or Jackie, as he was called. And Washington made the quote that he said that his marriage to Martha was the most influential decision that he had ever made in his life. The most influential decision that he had ever made in his life. <clears throat> and being married to Martha gave him all the happiness that life could ever give. So when Washington now takes over seeing Mount Vernon, and Mount Vernon was um, given to Lawrence's widow, when Lawrence's widow passed away, George inherited Mount Vernon, and that's how he got Mount Vernon. And he began to 
understand that he could not survive as a business person going through the mercantilism of Great Britain, which means that you produce product, you sell it to the crown, they put a price on it, and then they resell it. They resell it back into the colonies. And there's certain certain items, certain products, certain crops that the British did that with, particularly tobacco. And George was growing tobacco on Mount Vernon, and he realized that as a business person, if he grew different crops that didn't have to go through the mercantile system of Great Britain, he could make more money. So he stopped growing tobacco. And he also understood that tobacco really robbed the soil of its nutrients. So he started crop rotation. And he really understood the idea of having fields lay fallow so that they could have their nutrients and minerals replenished. So he worked on crop rotation. He also understood fertilization and came up with the idea of fertilizing the land to make the soil continue to be rich. So he stops growing tobacco. He starts growing corn, soy, wheat that didn't have to go through the mercantile system of Great Britain so he could begin to be more prosperous. So he began to grow wheat. He began to grow corn. And then what he also did was he built his own gristmill so he could grind the grain himself, which meant that plantation owners and farmers in the Virginia area now would come to Mount Vernon to have their grain put through the grist mill, which means Washington can make more of a profit. So he built his own mill. He built his own weavers. And with not having to grow tobacco, that caused uh, less labor in the field, which means more profit for George. He also bought his own ship. He brought a freight ship called The Farmer. So he could take his own product to market. He could take other farmers and plantation owners to market and charge them a fee for that. So you can see Washington is moving in his life to become a very powerful business person, along with then becoming the commander in chief of the Continental Army and then president of the United States. Uh, he developed a full-scale spinning and weaving mill to produce linen and wool fabric to be able to sell or have other plantation and farmers bring their weaving and spinning to his mill so that they could have fabric made for themselves. So we can see Washington's great influence in his business life, in his business idea. Washington did not believe that he should be in debt. He despised the indebtedness of so many, particularly of the founder father, particularly the Southern founding fathers. Jefferson and other Virginia planters died tragically in a great deal of debt. George Washington is the only Southern founding father that did not die in debt. He left an estate of over $200,000 in today. We understand that would be the equivalent to about $340 million. That's what he left in his estate when he passed away. So he, he, he did not die in debt. And from the time Washington finally inherited Mount Vernon till the beginning of the war in 1775, 
Washington doubled the size of Mount Vernon from 3,000 acres to over 6,500 acres. And he had somewhere between 50 and 100 slaves on Mount Vernon. Eventually, Washington even makes Mount Vernon larger. And ultimately, he also gets and buys 60,000 acres of land out in the Ohio River Valley. So Washington becomes extremely prosperous as a businessman. And he is great with the minute details of running Mount Vernon and seeing what Mount Vernon must do and is able to do to create and have profits every year. He also understands animal husbandry and what it takes to have certain larger mules and certain horses being able to pull the wagons in the fields and plow the fields. So Washington, we overlook him as a business person, but he was just a tremendously well-astute business person, astute, well-versed farmer, a great business person as far as his business sense of what he could do, what he could produce to make a profit as a business person. So when we, by the time we get to the revolution, Washington now has become a very rich person, man. He and Martha become very wealthy. Mount Vernon has doubled in size, and it's going to even get bigger than that over time. And even during the war, Washington only visited Mount Vernon briefly on his way to Yorktown, which is 1781. Mount Vernon continued to prosper throughout the war even though Washington was not there to oversee it. Washington's brother, Lund, oversaw Mount Vernon with the tremendous help of Martha that continued to see Mount Vernon prosper throughout the war as a plantation, which enabled Washington not to have to take a salary as a commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. We see Washington's character as commander-in-chief we see Washington's character as president of the United States. But we also see Washington's tremendous character as a business person. He was well-respected as a business person. He was well-liked as a business person. Many people, particularly in the Virginia area, began to mirror what Washington was doing as a business person. As much as we don't like and detest the whole idea of slavery, there's no record that Washington ever, ever uh, treated slaves harshly. And he finally was coming to the conclusion that he knew that slavery was wrong and it really needed to be done away with. And he saw that it was an immoral thing. And so when Washington died, in his will— well, by law, your estate would go to your spouse. Virginia law stated your, your estate would go to your spouse. So Washington put in his will that if he were to die before Martha, which he did, when Martha died, all their slaves were to be freed, receive a pension for life, and all their kids, all their children would receive a stipend for their education. Washington never sold any slave 
that had children or he did not believe in separating families. And we're not trying to justify slavery. That's not my point. My point is Washington was beginning to see, remember, these these we are all people in time and we see through dimly colored glasses. Washington began to see the wrongness of slavery and he started to move away from it. And after Martha died, a couple of years after George did, the slaves were freed. They received a pension for life and their children received a stipend for their education. So we, we when we look at Mount Vernon, we think of Mount Vernon as this magnificent estate. Well, it is. But when Washington inherited Mount Vernon, it was under half of what it was. It, a lot of it was in disrepair. And because of Washington's ability as a businessman, he transformed Mount Vernon into this beautiful estate that we all have this wonderful ability today to go view Mount Vernon and walk around Mount Vernon and, and see exactly what George Washington was able to establish at Mount Vernon. And throughout his life at Mount Vernon, well, from the year 1768 to 1775, George and Martha Washington entertained over 2,000 guests at Mount Vernon. Throughout his presidency, when Washington was at Mount Vernon and then in between after the revolution and then he became president, George and Martha Washington entertained over 4,000 guests at Mount Vernon. Washington loved to entertain people out Mount Vernon. And so we see that his graciousness going out as a business person, as a very wealthy person, being able to reach out and what he did for other people. And he also helped a lot of the farmer plantation owners in Virginia to come up with their own system of business and have their own, an own business model so that they would not continue to live their life in debt. And unfortunately, we see that in Thomas Jefferson. When Jefferson died, he died tremendously in debt. His family actually had to sell his library. Congress actually bought his library, which was the beginning of the Library of Congress, to help pay off Jefferson's debt. And his family then had a raffle to help pay off of Jefferson's debt after he passed away. But we don't see that in George Washington. So that are just some of the background information, the business person of George Washington and what he was able to do as a farmer, an entrepreneur, a business person, owning his own ship, creating his own grist mills, growing crops that did not have to go through the mercantilism of Great Britain, crop rotation, fertilization, and what he did to produce and, and make Mount Vernon into a very successful plantation. So when we look at Washington, we have to look at Washington as a politician, as a general, but also as a business person and seeing exactly what his life incorporated and encompassed. So we now have another area of influence that we can look at George Washington and see exactly what this man did in his personal life as a business person. So we still have giants in America, whether they're our founding fathers and mothers, whether people throughout our history that we can look at and appreciate because of what they have done and admire them. But Washington 
is a person that we all can use and look towards as an example because of his character as a general and president and also a business person. So we do have giants, General George Washington, President George Washington, George Washington, the business person, is one of those giants that we can admire and look towards and appreciate because what he did in his time period and what he helped establish for us as a country. So this is WFYL 1180 AM, working for your liberty.